You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. There's a recent story that you'll probably recall in which uh, a Dallas Police Department patrol officer named Amber Geiger walked into what she thought was her apartment and when she saw the person who actually lived there, Botham Jean, she shot and killed him thinking he was an intruder. This of course made national news not only because it's a strange story but because there's other elements at play. She's a white police officer, Botham was a black man and shot and killed in his house for doing nothing wrong. Of course, elements like this get our attention, uh, especially in light of many of the conversations that we're having today. Um, What I want to focus though on this particular conversation or on this particular story is the surprising ending to it in which Brant Jean, Botham's brother, after Amber is given her sentence for murder, Brant asks if he can give her a hug. I remember watching this video online and just finding myself in tears along with everyone else in the courtroom. Amber's crying, Brant's crying, I think the judge was crying, you can hear crying throughout the courtroom. It's the hug that got the world's attention. In that moment, I'm seeing Jesus on display right in front of me, a man nailed to a cross unjustly, something done wrong to him, and what words come out of his mouth, but Father, forgive them. Here, Brant takes on his own cross. He's the one who's been uh, unjustly treated. He's lost a, a family member that he loves for no good reason. Yet he looks at the accuser and says, Father, forgive them. Oh, it's so rare that you see any kind of radical display of forgiveness like that, especially today. We're so often caught up in grudge matches and being right and fighting over anything and everything and making big issues, small issues and small issues, big issues. Everything is on the table to destroy one another over. And yet here's someone who has a real reason to be angry and destructive. And yet they say, Father, forgive them. I remember just being in tears over this video uh, and I was surprised, though I don't know why. (laughs) I was surprised to find out that uh, people did not like it in the same way that I did. Many were insulted by the video. 
looking at it thinking like this was taking away from the value of the fight for justice, from the value of black people, as though this one forgiveness would uh, make all racism in the world right or okay or pacify um, the conversation, uh, that it would be a moment just to make white people feel happy. And, and it, it, all, all of this conversation began to uh, belittle the incredible forgiveness that, that Botham showed in that moment. It's not the first time. Whenever, whenever radical forgiveness is given, people usually respond trying to critique it as to if it's really okay. The same thing happened, of course, with uh, uh, the Amish. Some years back when a man walked into an Amish school and killed many of the children in there, the Amish responded in a way you never see, in which they decided to forgive the killer, like very quickly after this happened, like the following days, if not that day, and then decided to try to create ways to help the family of the killer, even though they would never see their children again, even though some of them would be injured for life, they showed the world what the radical forgiveness of Jesus looks like. When you take on a cross and say, Father, forgive them anyways. They showed the world. And many would say, wow, that is crazy. This is what Jesus did for us. Whereas others would uh, yell at the Amish. Are you crazy? That's not right. That's not okay. And so we talk about forgiveness today. What is it? Because this is part of the problem is people misunderstand what forgiveness is. And we talked about this last week, but forgiveness is not saying what happened is okay. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not pretending something didn't happen or that it wasn't bad. Forgiveness is none of those things. Forgiveness is simply someone had a debt that was owed to you. Brant had a debt. Amber owed him a brother. And because there's no way she can give that, she owes him some other kind of restitution. And yet, Brant decides to forgive, release her from that debt. That's not to say that uh, justice wouldn't be found or that there wouldn't be consequences for actions. She did find consequences. She was um, accused of murder and given a prison sentence for that. But as far as what she owed to Brant, he showed the cross and said, I forgive, I forgive you. And he lived that out by hugging an enemy. The Amish said, you owe us our children back, but we forgive you. We're gonna make a college fund for your children to take care of them. 
Those are radical moments of forgiveness. None of them said what happened is okay. Don't worry about it. We'll forget about it. It's not important. Not at all. It's simply saying the debt that you owe me, I'm releasing you of it. N.T. Wright uh, says it this way. He says, forgiveness isn't the same as saying, let's pretend it didn't really happen. This is a little trickier because part of the point of forgiveness is that I am committing myself to work toward the point where I can behave as if it didn't happen. But it did happen. And forgiveness isn't pretending that it didn't. It's looking hard at the fact that it did and making a conscious choice, a decision of the moral will to set it aside that it doesn't come as a barrier between us. In other words, forgiveness presupposes that the thing which happened was indeed evil and it cannot simply be set aside as irrelevant. That way lies suppressed anger and a steady distancing of people who no longer trust one another. Much better to put things out on the table, as indeed the New Testament commands us to do, and deal with them. That's what they did. They put it out on the table and they deal with it. They're not suppressing it. But so often we suppress it. Here's one of the ways in which you might do it. In fact, I found myself doing it this week. I pulled into a parking lot. Uh, pulled into Target and realized that the conversation that was just going on in my head was someone who had uh, turned against me a long time ago and that I was creating a story. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a mentally visual person. I was creating this whole drama between me and them, even though I haven't talked to them in years. This whole drama between me and them in which I was coming at them uh, and trying to win an argument. Why am I doing that? Like, I actually stopped and said, I haven't talked to this person in years. Why is this in my head right now? Why am I making up a scenario in which I win? And the answer is clearly, Jamin, you have more forgiving to do. You have more releasing of debt because in your mind, you still want to hold that debt over them. You still want to win. Release yourself. Like Jesus forgiving on the cross, you take on your own cross and let this go because there is no reason for you to be still having this conversation in your head. Do you have those moments, those arguments in your head against a fictional person in which you win? You'll find that those manifest in real life. If you've been fighting with someone in your head long enough, that person in front of you becomes the person in your head. When you run into them in person, you're ready to come at them in all the fictional ways you've created. That's not forgiveness. That's holding something in to create a barrier. Forgiveness is not pretending it didn't happen, but it is releasing people from the debt that is owed to you. And that doesn't mean that you let people walk all over you, okay? I, I've had to learn this in different ways. You know, there's still a fight for justice that can happen in some situations. Uh, if, if someone's abusing you, you don't continue to let them abuse you because you forgive them. No, you're probably going to have to find some separation while you try to figure out how to reconcile that situation, whatever that may look like from Jesus's point of view. A murderer can be forgiven 
and still be put in prison for justice and as a part of restitution and reconciliation. They themselves may need to grow in some way, which prisons don't always create that scenario. That's a whole nother conversation. Um, but there may be something that still has to happen. Forgiveness is not letting people just walk all over you continually as time goes on. Um, nor is forgiveness the absence of common sense. Like, I, I can forgive a consistent liar. I've been lied to before and they continue to lie. I can forgive them for those lies, but you know what I don't do? I don't necessarily just take them at their word because I've forgiven them. <laughs> when future conversations come up, I'm like, yeah, that doesn't sound quite right. And I'm not just gonna take that at face value anymore because this is how I've learned to understand this particular relationship. Uh, you can forgive someone who's abused you, but doesn't mean you leave yourself in a place to get abused again. You can forgive someone for something like molestation, but of course you're not gonna you know, put them in charge of, of children. This is common sense. You can forgive someone for slandering you, but it doesn't mean that you'll perfectly restore that relationship. Reconciliation is the goal of forgiveness. It's always a hope that it will happen. But reconciliation is a two-person job. It means that people on both sides have to be working to fix the situation. You can forgive someone for something. Reconciliation is the next step. But it's only if both people are willing to work at it. And I've seen this happen in like every different way that it could happen. I had a friend growing up who we were just best friends. We hung out all the time. We did everything together. Till one day, and maybe you've seen this in best friends relationships in your own life. One day something happened that kind of severed the relationship and things got bitter, things got hard. And over time, it just became a wall that no matter like if there was forgiveness or trying to fix it, there was never enough reconciliation on both ends to repair that relationship to what it used to be. But then over time, the relationship got better. It's like, all right, this is great. You know, like I've missed this old friend. And then sure enough, severed again, and then grown back up again, and then severed again. To the point that I see within this own relationship, there's always the hope for reconciliation, but like, I also have this point where I'm like, I know what to expect as far as where this can go and how emotionally invested I can be in it. But at the same time, I need to hope, like, can I bring it back to that reconciliation? If we're both willing to work on it, maybe. I've had other moments um, where, like at least this person, we're in a good relationship now, but I've had other moments where it was a complete severing. The reconciliation component of both sides trying to fix it just never happened because there was a wall as to what reconciliation was allowed. And uh, there were moments where I would feel like I'm trying to fix it and the other side just turned away completely, unwilling to go there. And so I have to recognize, Jamin, in this moment, you can forgive 
you can release them from debt. And you might even be able to push a little bit, but until they're willing to finish what's left of that reconciliation, you may be at a point in your relationship where you've done what you can do. Sometimes that's the case. You can only reconcile as far as you can, and you need the Spirit's conviction to keep reconciling more, but you also need the Spirit's conviction on the other person's part to come and finish that. And then there's other times where I've had that complete severing and things somehow after that completely reconciled and mended. Um, I had one relationship that fell apart very harshly uh, and I didn't think it would ever really come back together. And then through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we found ourselves at one point at a church service washing each other's feet because that's what the message was on where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. And something about that moment upon other convictions and forgivenesses and reconciliations, something about that moment was able to drive the relationship back together. That right there, that 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 relationship is an example of the reconciliation that Jesus can truly bring when we forgive and release each other from the debts that we owed them. Which, by the way, I'm not meaning to say like Jamin's always the one doing the right thing in these relationships. Not at all. Look, when you get in a fight with someone over something, it's usually both-sided. Both people have done a wrong and they're furthering the hardness of their hearts to not bring it back together. Sometimes one person forgives. Sometimes both people forgive. Um, but usually the problem in the first place is that both are getting harder, hardened and hardened towards each other until they can't bring it back together. But Jesus calls us to forgive time and time again. God demonstrates that he's a forgiving God all throughout the Bible. Israel uh, is pictured as God's wife throughout the Bible, and she is the most adulterous, cheating wife from this metaphorical standpoint of all time. She's constantly cheating on God with all other kinds of gods over and over and over and over again. She's become sinful and evil over and over and over again. And God remains a faithful husband over and over and over again. To the point that he says, I will fix you, Israel. I will repair even your brokenness. Sends Jesus to us to save us, to redeem us and fix us. That's how God responds with forgiveness, love, grace, mercy, even though the other party has hardened their hearts and walked away, even though the other party has not wanted to reconcile, he keeps coming closer and closer and closer until he repairs those who are willing to be repaired. And that's, that's how God demonstrates how we're to live with others. We keep coming closer and closer to forgiving, to releasing, to repairing, and to grabbing on to those who have hardened their hearts towards us.
No one is ever out of his reach. Jesus preached on forgiveness time and time again. He told us that we're not just supposed to forgive seven times. We're not just supposed to forgive 70 times, but 70 times seven, which was not a math problem. It was an expression. Look, don't like calculate what 70 times seven is. What Jesus is saying is like, you just forgive. This is my calling to you. You constantly and always forgive over and over and over again. Doesn't matter what happens to you. This is my call to my people as Christians. You forgive, you forgive, you forgive. Just as God has shown you, he does. Just as I will show you on the cross, you forgive, you forgive. And he reserves judgment for us when we don't forgive. He tells a story about someone owed someone a zillion dollars. And the person who should have got the zillion dollars, they decided to forgive the person of their debt. But then that person, someone else owed them like five bucks and they freaked out and like, you're gonna give me my five bucks. And Jesus, Jesus in this story is like, look, I've forgiven, God has forgiven you a zillion dollars. So nobody owes you anything. You are to model forgiveness. Doesn't matter how big or how small, you're to model it for everyone else because look how much you have been forgiven. You model that to the world. You've been forgiven much, so you forgive much. And Jesus tells us, if you don't forgive, then you're still held up to your zillion dollars. If you want to be released of your own debt, then you release others of the debt that they owe you. Jesus wanted us to forgive quickly too. Not like, I'm gonna take a long time to kind of sort through this. No, he wanted it to happen quickly because he understood if you give Satan any time at all with unforgiveness, he will create a foothold and it will take over your life. Unforgiveness is bad for your spiritual life. It's even bad for your physical health. It seeps into everything. Studies have shown that people who forgive, they heal faster and more completely than those who don't. Unforgiveness actually will raise stress hormones, blood pressure, and cause weight gain. Uh, its effects on focus are bad, and its ability, uh, your brain's ability to form new memories gets corrupted by unforgiveness. In fact, this is interesting. One study showed that people could jump higher after forgiving. Almost as though they're like caught in like this cloud of sorts. And I know that sounds crazy, but I actually see a spiritual dimension to this. I remember oh, I was trying to forgive someone once, but it was just, I was so hardened because I felt like I kept apologizing for stuff to try to do my part. And the other party wouldn't apologize for their stuff. They just kept like ex receiving my apologies <laughs> and never giving any back as though like, I was always the one who had wronged. But then there was one day, there was one day where out of nowhere, this person just said, you know what? I need to apologize, I'm sorry. And I kid you not, I'll never forgive this moment. It was as though there was something like clawed into my shoulders and wrapped around my back. When I got this text that said, I'm sorry, I felt this thing just chunk, fall, fall right off of me. It was like, it was like a spiritual weight had dropped right off my back. 
And if you've ever felt spiritual weight before, like you walk into an area and you can just tell like there's something different here. Sometimes it's a heavy presence of God and it feels uh, redemptive and good. But other times you walk into a place and there's this heavy like mm, oppression, uh, spiritual oppression there. You can sense it sometimes in cities. Um, I've had people come to our church and be like, do you feel that? And like, oh, no, I used to, but I've lived here so long now, I, I don't always catch it. I, I know one pastor who drove into our town is like, I almost just threw up. <laughs> like, whoa, <laughs> I'm definitely not that sensitive to it. But in this moment, I was sensitive. I felt something like unclaw off of me and fall off just by someone saying, I'm sorry. And so it doesn't shock me that someone might be able to actually amp themselves up to jump higher after forgiving because of just the spiritual weight alone that's been freed from them. Forgive, forgive, forgive. That is the goal, always. Doesn't matter what it was, and I know that's offensive to people. A lot of times today, it seems like we have some categories. If it's this thing over here, you actually can't let that go. But if it's this thing over here, eh, that's small enough, that's okay. Look, with Jesus, there's no categories. It does not matter how severe, how atrocious the sin was. You are always to forgive because you have been forgiven. Always. That is what it means to be Christian. You cannot get out of it. So whatever that hardened thing is that you have in your life, understand this. It is hard. I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying it's not a little deal. I remember preaching on forgiveness once and someone coming up to me and being like, but here's what happened to me. You know, like I can't forgive that. And for me, it's like, you're probably not going to get there today because you've been holding on to this for a long time. However, you do need to get there and you need to start today and you need to spend some time, a lot of time on this until you can get to that point. Because we are to forgive and forgive quickly. And Jesus's forgiveness will be offensive to the world, and I find that it's often even offensive to Christians. But it is what we are commanded to do. We are debt releasers. Someone owes us something, it is a Christian way to say not anymore. I release you of that spiritual debt that you owe me, just as I have been released from my own sin. And just before we close out, here's here's something that a lot of you probably need to hear, especially if you're like me. When I was a kid, man, I would stay up. I'd just be lying in bed forever. And I'd be thinking of everything that I had ever done wrong. That would just be the consistent nighttime routine. And I would bring it before God uh, for like the millionth time, like, God, please forgive me, I'm so sorry as though he hadn't forgiven me the last 100 million times I had asked. The person that I always struggled to forgive most in life was myself. And for some of you, it's the same thing. 
look, honestly, today it's it's still often the same thing for me. I'm not up at night. I, I've built new spiritual disciplines, if you will, to be able to fight the difficulty at night. Um, but I still feel that weight, that weight of God. I just, I never feel forgiven. I never feel good enough. And, and, and Jesus has this way, if we're listening, of whispering and saying, you know, you're never going to be good enough. You all have the wages of sin upon you. You've all sinned. And so like, honestly, what we owe, uh, is death. We deserve to die. But God says, I forgive you of that debt. I forgive you of, um, you owing your own life for your sins. And instead, I am forgiving you of that and giving you eternal life. So repent, ask for forgiveness, but know that God, he is always looking to reconcile. Yes, our God cares about justice. Yes, as Christians, we are to strive for prophetic justice. But if we are not doing a justice that includes forgiveness and release of debt, then I guarantee you, you are not doing Christian justice. You are doing something else. Because forgiveness and reconciliation is always the goal of Christian justice. And that's offensive, that's difficult, but it's what we're called to. So with that, I... Let me say a prayer for you uh, as we close out. Yeah, God, I just pray right now as we're um, wrapping up this message that any moments of unforgiveness in people's life that you would like to deal with right now, that you would bring that to their mind. And then as this week goes on, you would bring more uh, to their mind that they need to work through, that you would give them the strength, empower them with your spirit to work through it. In Jesus' name, amen.